The Landlord and Lawyer Podcast with Ben Beadle and Tessa Shepherdson. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm here with Ben Beadle, and he is the landlord. And I'm with Tessa Shepherdson. She's the lawyer. And together we are the Lawyer and Landlord, or is it the Landlord and Lawyer Podcast? I Usually, man. What it's, called. it's the Landlord and Lawyer Podcast. Get your teeth in, <laughs> So uh, we've got a cracking episode for you today. Um, we are going to be talking to Chris Wood of Shelter, and um, we're going to be talking about the no DSS issue. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it's one of these live issues, um, you know, following various court cases. Uh, and I think it's good to understand um, where shelter are, are coming from, how it's come about, and, and, and fundamentally what it means uh, for landlords in terms of practice, because you know, we all want them to stay uh, the right side of the law. And uh, I know that landlords want to stay the right side of the law as well. So uh, let's have a listen. OK, hello, everybody. Here we are with Chris Wood from Shelter. And um, hi, Chris. Hiya. Um, would you like to start by telling us a bit about you and what you do and your role in shelter? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Chris Wood. I am uh, the Assistant Director for Research Policy and Public Affairs uh, at Housing Charity Shelter. So I lead the, uh, our evidence gathering and our influencing of government. Um, and I particularly work on the rights and support for private renters. Um, both this year during the coronavirus pandemic, which has obviously thrown up huge challenges and lots of people have been struggling because of it. Um, and then also longer term, uh, and particularly looking forward to um, when government will be introducing the renters reform bill um, and try and make sure that bill works and, and, and creates a fairer market for renters. Okay, well, we thought we'd talk about the no DSS issue um in this podcast because we'll probably be talking about the renters reform bill in a, in another another episode um can you tell us a bit about the campaign perhaps start off with um you know where it came from why you felt it was a really important thing and you know give us the background to it yeah um so i mean we one of the reasons that i think it's really important for us at shelter to be um, working for and campaigning for private renters is just because we hear so much uh, from, from renters across the country, the issues that they're seeing across the market. Um, and that's why I'm really you know, passionate about the area. Um, so many people living in poor quality accommodation, um, being forced to move home when they want to, really struggling with unaffordable rents, um, and then uh, losing their home and being, you know, it, finding it really hard to find somewhere else to live. Um, the No DSS campaign actually came out of um, one of the regular reviews we did of uh, all the areas we were campaigning on and looking at what the issues we were seeing across the country through shelter advisors. Um, and, and although there were lots of barriers stopping people finding accommodation across the private rental market, and we campaign on many of those, it could be um, so, so from uh, benefit rates and the benefit cap to a lack of affordable housing uh, out there um, uh, and really you know high rents across a lot of the market um, back in 2018 we realized that uh, discrimination against people on benefits was actually stopping a lot of people finding a home 
um, that they could stay in. Uh, and, and that was coming through from our advisors. And so we decided we really needed to do something about this because it was having a big impact on people across the market um, and you know, forcing many people to into a situation where they were really struggling to find anywhere they could um, they could find to rent, uh, and even even leading to some people, you know, not being able to and ending up homeless. Um, and we looked a lot into the issue. Actually, uh, we looked into what exactly was causing it. You know, whether it was just that um, benefit rates were not high enough, and that was the reason um, that this was happening, uh, or some of the triggers for it. But we realised that actually even for those people who could uh, afford the rent and could um, pay the rent and would be able to, uh, and didn't have, you know, had good references and had a good sort of history of paying the rent, uh, a lot of those people were, were still being barred from renting lots of properties because of um, benefit discrimination, what we call no DSS discrimination, because that's how it's often termed in adverts. Um, uh, were being, people were being barred from uh, renting places simply because they were on benefits. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think from when I've I've spoken to people about it and, and landlords, and of course, Ben and I on, only talk to part of the landlord community, you know, there's a lot of landlords that we, we, we're not, in, you know, not all landlords are members of either of our organisations. But I know the sort of feedback I've got from a, a lot of landlords is, is it's not so much a problem with the people themselves, it's a problem with A, the system, um, and often with the local authorities, because I know a lot of landlords tell me that they get an awful lot of problems with the way they're treated by local authorities. Have you have you heard that, Ben? Yeah, I think landlords do have concerns about um, uh, you know the administrative side of, of of that decision. I think there's also concerns about you know uh, the 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 element of payment in arrears and 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 four weekly uh, cycles rather than the monthly cycles but you know uh, i agree i i don't think a a, a blanket ban um uh, you know on preventing uh, uh, benefit claimants from accessing properties is the right way to, to 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 go about it i think you know what we have to do is to take every uh, individual as they come and and, and understand um, the the package that they're bringing to the table and, and do a proper uh, check in terms of affordability. I think that's 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 essentially all we're all all, all that's being asked. But I, I do think it does raise some issues around the the nuts and bolts, if you will, of 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 of, of how landlords process those those individuals. But that's not a reason not to accept them. It's a reason to to make the system work better for both landlords landlords and tenants uh, it's not a reason to discriminate against somebody that that's absolutely right and I think there is a there is a real issue of stigma here against people on benefits and I think we've seen that in lots of areas of life um, the idea of someone being on benefits and therefore they're you know worse than other than other people um, you know this benefit discrimination is literally stopping people finding somewhere to live even if they could afford the rent um, even if they could good references uh, as you say Ben obviously a landlord isn't going to rent to someone if that person cannot afford uh, the rent but it's just very important that every landlord every letting agent looks at the individual circumstances of that person um, rather than having a blanket ban against that group not just because that's unfair and wrong but also because the recent cases have found that that is unlawful and discriminatory against those people and they could 
be subject, uh, the, the landlord or the letting agent could be subject to fines because of that. Um, so we, I mean, we started campaigning on this issue back in 2018 uh, and we, we looked at all the issues um, that people were finding with it, all the reasons that were coming forward and lots of landlords at that time were saying uh, that their letting agent advised them not to um, rent to people on benefits. Um, and others were saying that their mortgage provider wouldn't allow them to rent to people on benefits or that uh, they couldn't get insurance for the properties if they were renting to people on benefits. And I suppose slowly over the years, we've, uh, we, we and many others working with lots of other organisations and individuals who've come forward and been quite brave in this, in this campaign have kind of broken down a lot of those barriers. Um, so we're in a much better place now in terms of where the market is and there really is very little in the way of an excuse for a landlord or a letting agent to be having a blanket ban um, now. And what's more, as I said, it is unlawful and it's been found to be unlawful through the courts now. Um, so they could be facing fines. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that occurred to me when we were talking to um, Tessa Buchanan, another Tessa, um, <laughs> when I was doing my interview of her, when we were talking about the um, Tyler and Carr case, um, she was she was saying, well, there's absolutely no reason why, um, you know, that, that it's no excuse if landlords mortgage companies um, say no benefit tenants or if their insurance companies say no benefit tenants, because those clauses are going to be, um, you know, are, 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 are almost certainly invalid. But I mean, it's all right for her to say that, but she's not the landlord. You know, if, if you're a landlord, you're you know, you're not a person with a lot of money and it's it's a bit difficult for you to argue with large organisations like mortgage companies and um, and insurance companies. I mean, say, for example, I mean, I know you can find other insurers who will accept benefit tenants. But if your policy happens to happens to have this clause and the insurer says, right, well, I'm not going to pay out on your claim because you've got a benefit or if they worry that that might happen, you know, it's it's very difficult for that landlord to to fight against the insurance company because the insurance company, you know, it's a big company, they've got lots of lawyers at their beck and call, and I, think, I, I, think, I can see why they would um, would be worried about that. I, I I mean, I would agree with that, Tessa, but I I also think that you know it, it runs the risk of this you know of this belief that um, that that. that that it may be a problem uh you know it's incumbent on landlords to check the position actually i think because you know they may well be surprised you know i've i've i can't recall what my mortgage terms uh, uh prevent me uh, uh from doing but in my experience as long as i pay the mortgage uh nobody asked me any questions uh so i i think it's probably incumbent on on the landlord to proactively make sure that that is definitely the case or not um if it is the case then frankly you know mortgage companies need to, to to step up and make it very clear uh because i'm sure that they wouldn't be advocating um their uh th their borrowers to uh fall foul of the law i have to say the assumptions around mortgages and insurance not being available are now completely false i mean one of the main things we started tackling when we started campaigning on this was mortgage provision um, and actually, as soon as we started uh, raising the issue, some mortgage providers uh, removed any clauses in their in their policies and, and allowed um, uh, mortgages on buy to let, including for people on for people relying on benefits. Um, and others took a bit longer. Um, there was a really high profile case against 
um, Nat, Nat West, who has now overturned their policy. Um, the latest research on this from Mortgages for Business, um, a broker, I found that roughly 99% of the mortgage market is now open to people on benefits. In fact, over the last few months, we've seen there were only two small, very small mortgage lenders who we knew of at Shelter who still um, had a policy against, uh, you know, against people on benefits and have now removed that. So as far as we know, um, you know, pretty much the whole market is now uh, open to people um, uh, lending to landlords who are, who are renting to people on benefits. Um, and we would encourage anybody who finds a lender who isn't, who still does have those outdated policies, um, those unlawful policies to come to us at Shelter and we'll raise that with them. Um, and then we also have moved on to looking at insurance as well. Um, and I think we're in a, uh, uh, we're in a pretty good place on that. We've done lots of work with the industry experts. And I think a lot of this, like with mortgages, is about assumptions and a lack of kind of clarity over the rules in some areas. Um, we've worked with the British Insurance Brokers Association, who found that um, uh, you know, almost all of their insur insurance brokers can find policies that cover landlords renting to people receiving um, housing benefit. Uh, and, and that will co cost no extra or only a small bit extra um, for those people. And we're obviously, we want all, you know, everyone to be able to find insurance and, and we want all uh, landlords to be able to insure properties that are rented to people on benefits. Um, but we encourage landlords to use actually the, the, the organisation I mentioned, the British Insurance Brokers Association, have a, have a find a broker service on their website um, and that will allow them to buy insurance to make sure they don't risk breaking the law by discriminating against people on benefits. Um, and they don't risk that legal challenge that could come. I mean, a lot of landlords will have set up their mortgages and taken out their insurance quite a few years ago when these clauses were a lot more prevalent. Um, what would you suggest? Because I know when we were on the webinar with um, Tessa Buchanan, we had quite a few people in the chat who said, well, my insurance company says that. And one of them said, my, my insurance company thinks they're right. Um, what, what would you suggest that um, people do if they look at their policies and their mortgage and they find that they're, they're, these clauses are there? Well, a lot of mortgage companies and insurers that we've spoken to have said that even if those clauses were there originally, they wouldn't now enforce them. So the best thing to do is, is what Ben was saying earlier and have a look yourself as a landlord um, and have a look at yourself at the insurance and the, the mortgage that you've got and contact the provider of that um, just to clarify that that won't be uh, that won't be enforced and that the terms have changed because most of them will have now changed their terms. Um, and of course, we at Shelter can help as well if people want to contact us. There, there is an important point um, here, you know, that old habits die hard, Chris, don't they? Uh, and, you know, landlords that have been in the game for a long period of time, um, you know, may need some um, um, more persuasion uh, in terms of that those clauses don't uh, exist. So, you know, uh, being proactive with your mortgage provider and your insurer, uh, I think is a real takeaway from, from, from today's uh, session, because the one thing I do know about uh, landlords is that the vast, vast majority want to stay the right side of the law. Uh, they don't, you know, set out to, to, to get things wrong or to discriminate. But uh, it's important that, that landlords keep up with this changing, changing area. And, and I, I think as well, uh, you know, we'll probably move on to this in, in a COVID setting, but there are going to be uh, far more 
benefit claimants, he says, uh, uh, rather negatively, um, you know, uh, as, as, as the full impacts of COVID are, are understood and, and, and reached. And, you know, the thing that always struck me around uh, uh, benefit claimants, um, you know, I've been in the industry in various guises for about 15, 16 years. And I do recall uh, very much the the uh, the old days of uh, no DSS adverts and and and, and the like, um, but you know th there is a marked difference I think between um, a, a, a new advertisement and somebody that loses their job in tenancy, where uh, uh, where the landlord then is is becomes dependent on that person making a benefits claim in order to you know meet meet their obligations i've always found that a marked contrast and i think that if if covid tells us anything is that landlords are going to need to get used to universal credit local housing allowance and how it works uh, rather than uh, be too picky uh, uh, or be perceived to be uh, picky in terms of those those types of tenants that i mean that's going to be the reality by the looks of it for a lot yeah. of people yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people who've got jobs now, you know, are sadly not going to have jobs in, in six months' time. Um, in fact, I've, I've even suggested um, in some of my posts that um, maybe if you have a, somebody who is already on benefit and they can prove that they've made all their payments, you know, perhaps for the past 10 years, like some of the people in your cases did. I mean, most of the people in your, in your test cases um, have got a history of making payments. And if they've got a, a decent guarantor, then they're probably a better bet actually than, um, than somebody who's got a job because you know that they can pay on benefit and that they will pay. And, and there's, uh, there's, yeah, there's no reason at all why they wouldn't be able to pay. And, uh, uh, and as you say, get good references and have a good um, history of paying and, and, uh, and be able to afford the rent if, if, if they have the income and money to do that. I think I completely agree. I mean, we're already seeing unemployment rising across the country. I mean, with, um, with renting uh, uh, unaffordable in lots of parts of the country um, and people feeling quite insecure at the moment and precarious at the moment, we've already seen, um, uh, Ben and I have worked together, we've worked, Shelter and NRLA have worked together already on um, trying to call on government to provide more support for tenants who are going into rent arrears um, because they've lost income or lost their jobs. We're already seeing millions of people on universal credit. And as you say, that, that could well increase. Um, so there's many more people who might be on benefits for the first time ever. We will need to be able to find somewhere to live. We do not need this barrier in the way um, uh, of, of looking at properties. It really is, you know, blanket bans are unfair, they're wrong. Uh, and as the recent cases have shown that they are unlawful um, and I would just say you know in terms of um, in terms of mortgage insurance and other policies don't believe what uh, what, are, what 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 used to be the case don't believe necessarily telling you either um, around these and look into it for yourself and um, because you, as landlords you're missing out on a the market there we even did some research that found that um, there was no difference in in profit making between those who are renting to people on um, benefits and those who are renting to other groups. Um, so there really is no reason not to be doing this. And I think the final, uh, the final area we're trying to campaign on and look at this, uh, look at on this is around letting agents themselves. We've actually made quite a bit of progress with um, uh, many more letting agents removing um, uh, no DSS policies um, over, the, over the years. We used to have uh, around a third of landlords said that the reason 
that they wouldn't the reason they wouldn't uh, rent to people on benefits was because they're letting agents tell them not to, and that's got uh, that's gone down a lot. Um, we we had some campaigning kind of targeting some of the worst offenders to begin with, which really, really helped. Um, and now we've moved a lot onto some of the online portals. Uh, so Zoopla and Rightmove have now removed uh, uh, policies and, and, and don't allow no DSS adverts on their website. And the final one left that we're still campaigning against um, and trying to get to change their policy is Open Rent, who, who still have these discriminatory policies on their website um, for some reason. Um, so we need them to remove them and we need all letting agents to, to not have these policies in place because ultimately they're, they're putting themselves and landlords at risk of um, at risk of court uh, cases and at risk of fines. What about the other problem that many landlords have said to me, which is that they they can cope with the system, um, but they they get they get such a lot of stick from the local authorities um, who many of the officers have a very anti-landlord attitude and and a very uncooperative. Um, have you heard that, Ben? Yes, I have. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't profess uh, that I have the answer uh, uh, to to that problem, if I'm honest with you. But I, I understand that, you know, that, that landlords do have difficulties in terms of uh, the local, the role of the local authority. I have to say, I've got one um, uh, uh, tenant uh, who is on benefits that's been with me for about ten years, um, and uh, I have to say, I've never had a problem with the local authority. Uh, in fact, um, I must be lax on my referencing because I didn't even, I didn't even appreciate um, that uh, that she would be using uh, benefits uh, to pay her her, her rent. Um, but I've never had any problem with the local authority at all. I've never needed to engage the local authority. Um, you know, my tenant takes her, her, her own responsibility for, for, for paying the rent. Um, I, I don't seem to have a problem, uh, unless I've missed that as well, uh, of uh, payment in arrears. Um, you know, I've had a really, really positive uh, experience uh, with this individual. And, and actually, the house is immaculate. She's the only one that's ever bothered to have done the garden. Um, uh, and, you know, it's been a, a really, really positive uh, experience. That may not be... Um, uh, of course, representative, but I haven't had any issues personally with uh, the local authority. But the 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 anti landlord sentiment on occasion from the local authority, uh, you know, it, it 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 can include licensing, it can include uh, 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 benefits, it, it can in, in include a whole range of things. But I do think there is an issue actually um, with, that that local authorities are going to have to get to grips with, or the the benefit system is going to have to get to grips with, which is landlords making reasonable inquiries about uh, an individual um, that they're going to be uh, renting their home to. Uh, um, and I think that's where landlords are, have, 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 have had some difficulty in, in terms of being able to access uh, information from these uh, uh, providers and, and, and people, mainly because I, I guess they're more used to dealing with uh, claimants themselves uh, uh, rather than individual uh, landlords. That would be my only observation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Tessa, sorry. Tessa, as you said, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no reason why you know housing benefit is paid regularly. It goes straight into the um, into the tenants' account, and particularly through the new 
credit system, it's all sort of automated as a system anyway. There's absolutely no reason why that shouldn't be a trustworthy source of income. What do you what do you think about um, the jam jar accounts? Because these are um, sometimes used. Have you heard of those? They're, they're, they're done by credit unions and uh, they are a special account which some credit unions offer where the benefit is paid into the the a tenant's account with the credit union and then the credit union will ring fence the landlord's rent and pay it out to them automatically so the tenant doesn't spend it by mistake and um, I haven't heard much about them recently but I did read quite a lot about them a few years ago I don't know whether it's something that credit unions still do but um, it strikes me that if a landlord has a tenant on benefit and they've got a guarantor and the benefit goes straight into a credit union account which will protect the rental element for the landlord. There really isn't anything the landlord has to worry about. I, th I think that uh, it probably depends on the, the tenant's ability to manage their, their money, uh, if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, I, I think it's a good concept. It will appeal to some people and, and, and not to others. Um, I used to, uh, uh, up until last month, be a director of a credit union, but I've never heard of the the jam jar uh, concept. In fact, I've just Googled it and got a whole uh, page of uh, jam jars that I can order on uh, <laughs> order on Amazon, which would be very useful. But I, th I think, <laughs> joking aside, I think the concept is a decent one. Um, but I, I, you know, as I understand it, you know. Uh, people should be in the position to manage their own money. And it's a product that is, you know, if people are having difficulty doing, it would seem to me to be a, a sensible uh, a solution so that people make sure that, uh, you know, the money goes to the right place. But ultimately we're, uh, you know, we, we leave that to individuals to, to decide. Yeah, well, that's, the, that's one of the problems. That's one of the tenant can decide themselves. Um, how, how that's managed and work with the landlord to make sure it's there's a system that works for them yeah because of yeah. course a landlord can can uh, request direct payment can't they in certain circumstances um uh you know of benefits yeah yeah yes exactly right um uh so you know but it is certain circumstances and you know i know that you know, we often you know, a bit like you chris you know, you, you you operate in a particular sector you see the worst of the worst um you know from our from our advice line uh, perspective we we see a small number of, of of landlords very frustrated with um you know the, the the way that benefits are paid particularly when um you have direct payment and you have rent arrears uh, and that money you know isn't being passed on i understand the uh, uh, very much understand the landlord's frustration uh, with regards to that scenario but i would i would put it that it is probably uh, a minority of a minority that, that that falls into that and fundamentally people have to be able to be responsible for their own tenancy and their own in, uh, you know outgoings and there are issues with the benefit. There are wider issues with the benefit system as well, of course, that mean that, you know, a lot of people across this country are struggling. I mean, we, we, we see an awful lot of people who, whose benefit doesn't cover their rent, whose benefit might be capped um, locally, who, who therefore are really, really struggling, uh, who, have to, who have built up huge debts because of the, the five week wait for your first benefit payment. Um, and ultimately, some of those issues are driving people into homelessness, ending up losing their home with un unable to find somewhere else to, to stay um, or to, uh, anywhere else they can afford. 
And so there are huge issues with the benefit system and that needs to be made fit for purpose to make sure that people can afford somewhere to live. Um, it doesn't mean that landlords have to obviously put up these barriers to anybody and a blanket ban right. on benefits. Um, and, and that's just, you know, it's just one more barrier that, that stops people getting into those homes. Um, and I guess just on the legal cases that we've been uh, we've been supporting with, uh, I mean, we're really lucky at Shelter to have a really excellent legal team that we that, that have been working on these, but we've also been working with other partners like um, the Nationwide Foundation, um, uh, the Equality and Human Rights Commission, uh, and uh, a really excellent uh, set of different barristers at different times who've worked on individual cases. Um, we, and a lot, we had a lot of legal cases that were settled um, where uh, landlords and letting agents had to pay costs of uh, thousands of pounds in some cases. Um, and this year, as you mentioned, Tessa, earlier, there have been two cases that have actually gone to court ruling, um, uh, which have shown that benefit discrimination because it indirectly discriminates against um, women and disabled people who are much more likely to be on benefits than other groups because it um, is, is so likely to indirectly discriminate against those people that benefit discrimination is unlawful. Um, so it's now clear that that is unlawful and discriminatory and you know we need to stamp it out across the sector we need all landlords and letting agents to stop doing this outdated um practice and make sure that they aren't discriminating um against people unfairly you're you're, you're right of course chris I, I was just wondering you know there would some fundamental changes to some of the uh, processes around universal credit and local housing allowance you know uh, be a, a a next step you know we've obviously aligned ourselves in terms of the five-week wait which frankly is a you know a, a nonsense particularly as uh Ian Duncan Smith who was the architect of it said that you know there's no reason for a for a real five for a five-week wait but there are some other procedural issues linked to uh to that that I think would probably instill greater confidence from both tenant and landlord perspective and at the end of the day that's that's what we want isn't it well, absolutely. I mean, anything that opens up more of the market for renters um, would be would be a really good thing. You know, given that um, given that so many people, as we've as we've said, will be claiming universal credit over the coming year, and that could well um, increase. You know, we need to make sure there are affordable homes that people can can live in across across the country. And there's so many places that are unaffordable for so many people, particularly on low incomes, the key workers we've relied on so much um, this year. Uh, you're just really, really struggling to find somewhere to rent. So anything that makes that opens up more of the market to them um, it, it has got to be a good thing. Well, I suppose that's um, partly down to um, Mrs. Thatcher and selling off all the council houses, isn't it? Um, which is another discussion we ought to have in a podcast sometime, Ben. But um, I have to say it's something that um, I've never been terribly happy about. And she took my milk away as well. I yeah. like that milk. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, I mean, so, so social housing is really key here. I think, you know, over the years, there have been lots of discussions by government um, and others about how you increase housing supply to meet demand across society and try and um, reduce prices so that more people can afford housing, whether it's home ownership or renting. Um, ultimately, the way the big developers um, build and the way the market works, it's very unlikely that anytime soon uh, the government's 
tweaks are going to in massively increase housing supply to the point where it really makes a difference to, difference to prices. So really the only answer to both increase housing supply overall and to make sure that those homes, as soon as they're built, are affordable, is, is to invest in social housing across the country. That's, you know, rents in, in social housing are tied to local incomes. It is mm. secure um, and affordable to local people. So it really is the, the ultimate answer, making sure of that, sure more of that social housing is built. In the meantime, the private rental sector obviously has a huge um, role to play in, 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 in trying to make sure people can uh, stay in secure homes that they can afford um, to live in across the country. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the benefit system has to has to be appropriate to make sure has to be you know, generous enough to make sure that people can afford those homes um, uh, as well as landlords and letting agents behaving well so that so that they're not discriminating or having blanket bans against people. I know one of the things that um, landlords have asked me and they were asking in this webinar that we had with Tessa Buchanan is that what how are they supposed to treat applicants so they are not vulnerable to to a claim for discrimination I mean say for example that the, the the rent of the property is a reasonable rent but it's 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 not something that would be covered by benefit and a benefit tenant clearly wouldn't be able to afford it I mean you know, I think landlords think, well, well what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, I can't let it to someone on benefit because they can't afford it. But I mean, am, am I am I subject to a discrimination claim if I if I reject them because of that? I mean, how, how are landlords supposed to approach things? So, so what the courts have found are unlawful are blanket bans. So policies that say nobody on benefits can apply to this or view this property or anything that kind that, that suggests that like no uh, professionals only, that sort of thing, um, uh, we advise against because it, it, it cuts out a proportion of the population. Um, I mean, what letting agents and landlords need to do is look at everyone and their individual circumstances. Clearly, there will be many properties across society that people who are claiming benefits cannot afford, uh, and, but that will come through the affordability checks and looking at how much that person can afford. Um, there are many properties across society, uh, across the country, that people uh, relying on benefits can afford but aren't able to because of these blanket bans. So it's really, you know, for people who are often already struggling and finding it really hard to find somewhere to rent, it's just that extra level of uh, of that ban that is a barrier to them that we really you know we don't need they don't need nobody needs across society and is also unlawful and discriminatory against that group what do you think landlords ought to do ben have you got um have you got a sort of step-by-step -step guide from the um nola on on how landlords ought to deal with um with applications i'm hoping we do um uh but i i, I think the point that 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 Chris raises is absolutely right. Um, you know, in what other um, industry would you proactively bar somebody from uh, accessing a, a good or, or, or a service? So I think if we start with with that in mind, you know, that's that's the, the the very base level. You then get into okay, you know, if you've got particular applicants, then you know you want to make sure. What do I want to uh, avoid as a landlord? I want to weigh up what the risk is and what the likelihood of uh, being good to meet the obligations are. So, you know, you 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 understand what the 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 benefit uh, uh, recipient is going to be getting, and you you weigh that up against what the rent is if it doesn't meet the full amount you would probably have a guarantor or you'd probably look at see whether or not that person does do some work to complement 
um, their, their, their benefits. What you're actually looking at is an overall package. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, in the same way that, you know, people that are working or people that aren't working or people that are doing part-time work, you know, that they all may stack, stack up in a slightly different way. Uh, uh, or they may not stack up, and in which case it's perfectly reasonable to reject somebody on the basis of calculated affordability. What's not right is to say, well, you know, you're in this category, bang, I don't want you. That, that's, you know, that's not, that's not cricket, and that's the point I think that, that, that Chris is getting across. So as a landlord, you know, you, you have individual discussions with people, you go through a referencing process, you make sure that they uh, are, are, are good uh, to pay the rent, you look at things like guarantors, uh, and you make an informed decision based on that, and if it doesn't meet the criteria, you tell people why. Um, yeah, that would seem to me to be a fair and reasonable way to 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 approach it and i suspect that um you know that that with this campaign and the light that has been shone on it uh you know landlords will be acting in that way and if they're not they should be mm. yeah well let's hope so indeed but one thing i am keen that that happens uh, uh, as well is that we you know with with more landlords and and tenants and claimants that are going to be using uh, or reliant upon benefits, it, you know, it is right that with greater volumes and greater usage, that some of these, some of these quirks, let's, let's be kind, uh, uh, around the system are are kind of ironed out. You know, there can be no justification for a five-week wait. Um, there can be no justification for landlords not getting answers around, uh, you know, around um, you know, making informed decisions based on a claimant's record. The, you know, there, there, are, there are lots of things like that where the system has to keep up uh, and you know, it, it, it needs to start thinking about some of those things now rather than waiting for a, uh, you know, a car crash to happen. You know, we can see it on the horizon, can't we? Uh, it's just a question of when the impact's going to be. Um, so th that's really the next phase of life uh, for me and something that certainly the NRLA is going to be turning its uh, uh, attention uh, to. We have a, um, a webinar with a chap called Bill Irvine, who's a, a UC specialist, um, and we're going to be um, uh, calling for some, um, for some fairly fundamental changes, uh, structural changes to the way that these processes and these apl applications are made for the benefit of both landlords and, and tenants, I should add. Will, will we're, we're, be doing that? We're calling on the government to um, to make sure that some of the, the issues in the universal credit system are fixed. So in particular, the five week wait is just causing, you know, huge debt for people. Um, even if they take out the government's advance, that then has to be paid back uh, uh, at, a, at a hugely high rate and it's de deducted from their um, further payments. And we're also calling on the government who, who rightly increased the uh, the rate of local housing allowance up, back up to cover the 30th percentile, so the lowest third roughly of rents in each area at the beginning of the pandemic. We're, we're trying to make sure the government keep it at that level and make sure that um, LHA, local housing allowance, is kept at the 30th percentile going forward. Mm. Um, and there's also, a, we've also got quite a big concern, and we see this across the country, about the benefit cap. So while the government has increased local housing allowance up to the 30th Percentile, so it now covers um, uh, uh, the third of the market in each area. They haven't increased the benefit cap, so some people are still capped at a level that means they can't get that money, and that's just not fair. That you know they need to make sure that people are getting the money um, through that system. 
Uh, and we're also continuing, of course, our campaign on no DSS discrimination. We've now, um, we now see uh, a lot fewer landlords saying that they're letting agents tell them not to, but not, not, not to um, rent to people on benefits, but, uh, but still quite a few letting agents are, are having those policies. So we need to stamp those out. Um, we're working with the government to look at um, how we can make sure we're raising awareness of this issue. Um, uh, we've had some positive noises from officials uh, within the government and make, just to make sure that people are aware. We'll obviously keep working with the NRLA to get the guidance out there and to get and to make people aware of what they need to do to avoid um, falling foul of the law and to avoid being taken to court. Um, because we will also continue to be taking legal cases on this just to show that um, it, just to keep showing that it is unlawful and to uh, and to make clear that you know it, we're not going to go away on this. It's 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 an issue that needs to be stamped out. Okay. Right. Well, I think we've uh, talked that topic to death. <laughs> <laughs> Quite interesting, though, isn't it? It's it's a, it is an interesting topic, and it's a, it's a serious issue. And um, I, I I wish you um, I wish you all the best with it, and um, I Thank hope you. you are able to stamp it out. But um, that um, landlords are able to to cope with it, and and you know it's the sort of thing that is uh, a sensible in intervention. And the key now is that that now we have this information, we understand what the judgments are, we understand uh, you know, how how one uh, is is meant to to deal with it. It's incumbent on you know us as an organisation to bring to bring landlords uh, along with that line of of thinking, so you know they stay the right side of the law, which is actually what everybody wants. Yeah. And thank you for doing your bit through this podcast to raise awareness of the issue and you know let people know what the situation is. No problem. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Okay, well, that was an interesting discussion, wasn't it, Ben? Yeah, really, really good. Um, hopefully, people got a good sense that, um, you know, uh, what we're, what Chris was talking about was very much uh, the blanket ban being a problem. Um, uh, and hopefully people have been left with a fairly clear idea of, of, of how to go about quantifying the risk uh, of any applicant, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, somebody on benefits or, or, or not. I think the key for landlords to remember is that they need to treat everybody as an individual uh, and, and not, you know, lump them all together. You know, your benefit, that's the end of it. You know, out you go. Right? They have to look at everybody separately and give everybody a chance and, and just think about them. Yeah, ex exactly right. And, you know, that's a, a perfectly reasonable request, I, I, I would have thought. I thought one of the interesting things um, about it was, you know, um, old habits dying hard from the point of view of mortgage terms and insurance terms. So Chris was very, very clear that, um, you know, the vast majority of mortgage companies and insurers um, have already removed the requirement um, uh, around uh, no DSS, uh, and you know that is really no longer a a reason. So landlords, if they have got um, those types of clauses in either their insurance or mortgage documents, should make sure um, that they are removed and talk to their uh, suppliers uh, as well. Yeah, and I understand if they're having problems with their suppliers, Shelter may actually be willing to help. I mean, my, some landlords may want to cut their arm off rather than get help from Shelter, but Shelter will help you because it's something they want to get rid of. 
Indeed. Um, uh, but if you prefer, come to me, ben at <laughs> nrla.org.uk. Um, you know, we're happy to pick uh, uh, the baton up on, on this. Um, I, I do understand uh, that some landlords won't necessarily uh, want to uh, deal with uh, shelter. Um, but it's worth remembering that uh, shelter operate in a particular uh, marketplace where they see the absolute worst of the worst. Uh, and um, what I was pleased to hear with uh, here hear, uh, uh, from Chris today is that you know a willingness uh, to, you know to want to get the message out there to landlords so that uh, they don't fall foul of this. And you know I'm I'm very happy to give him that 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 platform. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I think we better uh, draw this to a close. Um, we will be back again next month with another exciting and fascinating topic. And, Hopefully. Um, <laughs> and it uh, remains to say goodbye from him. <laughs> and it's goodbye from her. See you, folks. <laughs> goodbye.